podcast is part of the Podcast Your Scene Network. Visit us at www.podcastyourscene.com. Hey, it's Bill, and you're tuned into Three Questions in a Song, the podcast where the title says everything except when it doesn't. <laughs> I have a bad habit of asking more than three questions, which my guest tonight pointed out when he was listening to the show. <laughs> um, so this is episode number 59. Um, with me tonight is Mr. Charlie Bur. Is it Barath? Is that how you Barath, say that? Yeah. Barath. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're going to talk like Americana and country and, and roots. And we're, we're going to head in a direction that I don't normally go in. Um, which is good. That's the whole purpose of this podcast is to get me away from the metal and rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. To, it's nice to take uh, uh, something from another plate on the buffet table once in a while. That's right. <laughs> so I preparation wise, right before I started to chat with you, I was on another podcast. So you're, you're going to get an even more raw version of the episode than normal because I really haven't even thought about what I was going to ask you. Um, (laughs) Fun. That's good because I haven't thought about the answers yet. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Off the air, we were talking a little bit about the harmonica. Maybe that's where I'll go. Um, Why don't you give me a little bit of your history with the harmonica? How did, how did that become your instrument of choice? Uh, well, um, started out by the fact that, um, I could afford it the first time I bought a harmonica in the late seventies. I think I paid six bucks for my first Hona Marine band at the, the, uh, music store at the mall. (laughs) Um, so that was, it was easy access to an instrument that, um, you know, that I could put in my pocket. Now, my old man played and he had a couple squirreled away in his desk drawer. And um, and I used to, you know, pull them out of there once in a while and honk around on it. And he was quite good. Uh, and another friend of his who was a uh, they were family friends. Uh, so I went to school with, you know, some of his kids. But uh, Big Mike was his name. He always had a harmonica with them. And both of them, when they played, man, it was just magical. The sound that came out, it was the the traditional style the harmonica was designed to be played in. And uh, so you had all these like great, you know, uh, rhythmic cording going on. It sounded like a calliope on an antique merry-go-round. And and, uh, I just love the sound of it. Um, But when I, you know, I bought my first one and I came home and um, sat down in my bedroom and noodled around with it. And, you know, and just as a background, I had no musical training whatsoever uh, other than, you know, the music classes you had to take in grade school. And um, so I fooled around with it and, uh, you know, found the major scale and uh, worked out. uh, I think it was you are my sunshine or some simple little medley melody. Um, It wasn't pretty, but it was recognizable. And, uh, and that was, that was it, man. I was off and running just, uh, you know, trying to figure out songs and learn, learn where the notes were and um, you know, Never thought that I would wind up doing anything with it other than amusing myself. Um, I was t- telling you off the air that my grandfather played, and he was the same way. He always had it with him. It was in his in his pocket of, of his flannel shirt, and we'd be sitting somewhere, and he'd just pull it out and start playing. And yeah. I always had a big grin on his face when he was playing, too. 
Yeah, um, that's the beauty of it. At what point did you decide that you were going to take it a step further and, and play in a band with it? Um, well, I don't know if there was a, a point that I made the decision. It was kind of, you know, it was a long process, like most things in life. Uh, I fooled around with it and, and I used to break it out and play and, and people, uh, it got to the point where people would invite me. And there was another uh, friend of mine, Randy, who was a great guitar player and singer. Uh, as we started getting older, I, I noticed that we started getting more invitations to parties, mostly because they knew we'd pull the instruments out and start playing. <laughs> so, but that wasn't, a, I was okay with that. It wasn't a bad thing. Um, but as, uh, you know, as I went on and, uh, and then the first couple of times I got to play in front of people, like, you know, somebody invited me to sit in with the band for a song or, or go to an open mic. Then I really kind of started enjoying that. Um, performance aspect of it. I mean, I always liked being in front of people. I was always the kid in, you know, in grade school who had the, you know, the lead in the school play and that kind of stuff. And I guess a, a born ham, if you will. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I just really wanted to, um, you know, I decided that I, I wanted to do that. I didn't, you know, I didn't really care on what level. I just wanted a, an opportunity to play for people. And uh, and continue playing with other musicians because that was an awful lot of fun as well. Something that just popped into my head my my first introduction to you was through the SOS PJH PJH concert series, yeah, um, which you did an interview with for me then too. But yeah, that was a great that was a great event by the way. Um, watching you play there, like there were multiple musicians on the stage at any given time, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a mismatch of musicians yeah but almost every single one of them when you were up there would tell you to play a solo it's uh-huh. like you could just see the respect that all of those people had for you and i thought that was so awesome to see you didn't think about it i can see it in your face you know, like, I, well i i rarely do i mean i i don't know i'm not i i guess you're right you know and i i i pinch myself sometimes because when I put together a band or, um, well, anymore, especially since COVID, you know, I, I usually wind up getting a book, a gig, and then I have to call and see who's available. So it's like having a band band is a lot tougher these days. So that's kind of what I do a lot of. And, and I was just telling someone a while ago, I'm, I'm so, uh, fortunate and, and honored to have the caliber of musicians that I play with when I call them, they're like, Oh yeah, man, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, to me that, that is a show of respect that I, you know, I can't, I can't really, uh, explain exactly the amount of uh, my appreciation, I guess, to them for, for doing that. And it's the same with, uh, it's the same with this new record that just came out uh, of my record, my new record. It's, uh, the people on that record are just unbelievable musicians. And and I look at the list of names and I think I gig on a regular basis with the majority of these people. And, you know, and I call them all my friends and that, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing to, uh, to get to that point. And, you know, what it says about me, I don't know. That's, I'll leave that for other people to, to determine, but uh, I know one thing I sure appreciate, you know, you know uh, I had to pinch myself sometimes. That's I, I was, I'm actually looking forward to, um, 
I, Jonna from First Angel Media and I have started a collaboration with one of the radio stations that runs my Pennsylvania rock show. And we're once a month, we're doing a thing. We're calling it Friendly Fire, where we take a handful of songs to their station and we play them without them hearing them. And then they have to try and find a song that they think is similar, but might be a little better. And then the people, oh, okay. in, the, people in the chat box decide which song they liked better. And we harass each other. And I can't wait to take your song to the, to them and see what they come up with. Because oh, the one that I sent you. Yes. <laughs> um, because I like catching them off guard. <laughs> That's and, to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, they actually played a song a couple weeks ago when I was listening that had harmonica in it. And they were talking about how great the harmonica was. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, if I haven't sent you my uh, my record, you know, when we get done, send me your address and I'll get you one. Oh, cool. Thank you. All right. So I that was one question, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, if you could speak to one musician in the history of music, who who would you want to talk to, and what one question would you most want answered? Oh man, in the history of music, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks for narrowing it down. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, at least I didn't ask you about the devil this time. <laughs> yeah, I heard that question get asked to somebody else on one of these one of these uh, three questions in a song, and that's like, yeah, I remember that question. <laughs> uh, what one person? Good gravy, um, man! I don't know. Let me think. Give me a second here. You put me on a spot. Um, I've been influenced by so many people. You know, I'm kind of known as a blues guy. So, you know, the obvious answer would be, you know, it would be somebody, you know, in the in the blues realm from yesteryear. I mean, I would love to have been able to hang out with Muddy Waters or even go back further than that, for sure. I don't know what I'd ask them, but like I'd even go back further. I mean, I'd, I'd have to talk to somebody like, uh, I don't know, Woody Guthrie or Hank Williams. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what I would. That's, that's really the hard have. part. Figure out what. You, I don't know what I would have to ask him or, or yeah. certainly I don't know what I would have to add to the conversation, but it, I think it would be, I think it would be amazing just to hang out with um, somebody like that and, and observe kind of the creative process of watching them craft a, a song or a piece of poetry that became a song. Uh, you know, that that's one thing that's always kind of intriguing to me being a songwriter. Uh, people ask me about how, you know, what's, what's your formula? What's the process? And it's really different for everybody. And it's, I think every songwriter will tell you, they don't have one formula that they, that they use. Some might, but uh, for me, it's like it, it comes from a lot of different directions. So I would love to sit with somebody like, like Hank, Williams senior or, or Woody Guthrie or, uh, or even one of the newer one, you know, uh, Willie Nelson or Chris Christopherson, you know, cause they've, you know, and Bob Dylan, they've all written like these monster, not only just a monster hit monster song, which is more accurate and more important in my, 
opinion. You know, a hit. I mean, it's great when you could when you could achieve a certain amount of um, commercial attention and success. Well, that's good. Obviously, you need that to help, you know, put food on the table. But there are there are songs that are like very meaningful and impactful to to the listener that will never, ever get that kind of radio play and sell that many units. Uh, and that's OK. Um, so, you know, that that kind of thing intrigues me. So most most likely it would be I would be sitting down with someone of that uh, of that ilk and, uh, you know, maybe not asking, asking the, the specific question, but, you know, Hey, would you mind if I just sit here and watch you throughout the day when you're creating this stuff? Uh, because to me, that's, uh, you know, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. I and mean, covering stuff is cool. Uh, and it's always fun when you can play someone that has a request. Um, but when someone comes up and uh, when they're responding to an original, or when you see somebody in the crowd singing the, along with a song that you wrote, uh, that's that's where it's at for me. So the song you brought with you tonight, I, I was I listened to it a couple times today, and um, usually I, I ask the musician to tell me about the song, and I am going to do do that. But okay. I I actually a lot of times when I listen to music, you know, I'm listening to the music like how the lyrics and the music go together and how does it sound? And, but I found myself when I was listening to Ollie Ollie, I actually went back to my childhood when I was running around my, my neighborhood playing hide and go seek with my friends. Right. Like I was like, this is awesome. And I wanted you to know that, that I was thankful to hear it because it took me back. Well, thank you for saying so. It's uh that's a common response. And I, that's, that's why I chose that song to uh, to send. It's one. I mean, I'm I'm proud of all the tunes on this new new release, but uh, that one is one of the two co-writes on the record. And uh, yeah, it, uh, I just love how it came together, and it and it does, man. It's it it connects with people because I mean, now maybe not somebody who grew up in an urban area, but uh, certainly anybody who who lived in anything considering a small town or the suburbs for that matter, you know, they're going to find something in there that they could connect to. Yeah. I, that, and we would play Cowboys and Indians, which probably isn't PC now, but no, all of not. that, <laughs> you know, just all of that came rushing back as I was listening to it. So, so I, thank you for that. Oh, well, my pleasure, man. Um, thank you. Ben. So instead of, since I kind of, I think I kind of gave away what it's about. <laughs> um, what is there a story that goes along with it? Maybe when how you're recording it or the, the co-writing process or something that, that you could share along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, as I mentioned, that was one of the, uh, so this, this album has 17 songs, 16 originals, and only two of those were co-writes. This is one of them. Uh, I have a friend of mine that, uh, I grew up further down the river uh, in Ohio, right across the river from Wheeling. And I used to go see this guy. I didn't know him at the time. I used to go see his band. Um, he had one of the funnest bar bands called the Castleman's Run Country Grass Band. Um, you know, they played all kind of like 
bluegrass and country and just they were just so fun it was a big band six seven eight people um and anyway gary the lead guy uh when the when it, they disbanded he moved to pittsburgh actually for a while as a singer songwriter then moved to nashville and has a, a great career as a professional songwriter in nashville um grammy nominated uh songwriter and uh producer in fact uh so he moved to Clarksdale, Mississippi and opened a, a recording studio down there. And that's where he and his wife, Carol, live today. Um, so I've reconnected with Gary uh, probably three or four years ago, maybe yeah, about four years, a little over four years ago. Um, I was in Memphis for a competition, a blues competition. And he was um, he was doing a show. There were a handful the night before the competition started. There was a handful of of uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi musicians and songwriters who were doing a showcase. And I saw his name on the, uh, on the bill. And I'm like, I'm going to go see if I can find him. And so we went to find him and I introduced myself and we start talking about the old times. And uh, so he's doing the showcase. My wife and I are sitting there watching and eating dinner on Beale street in this little restaurant. And he's in, it's in the middle of a song. You know, usually when somebody wants me to sit in, they'll give me a heads up. He's in the middle of the song and he looks up and he looks at me, he goes, hey, this song could probably use some harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> so I grabbed the correct harp and I walked down and he leaned away from the mic and I played a solo. And and like we've been kind of tight friends ever since. So anytime we go nearer the south, we usually swing through Clarksdale. I have some other friends there as well. And we stay with Gary and Carol. And uh, we were we were hanging out there a few years ago. And um, he says, hey, while you're here, he says, let's write a song together, you know, which wasn't intimidating at all, because, like I said, this guy spent many, many years in Nashville as a professional songwriter with a lot of success. So uh, I drug out my computer and was looking at through through some of my notes and partial songs that I that songwriters will collect. And I had this uh, a long list of phrases about growing up in the small town where I grew up in Belmont County, Ohio. And uh, I really wasn't sure where I was going to go with it, but I had all these phrases, you know, um, and he saw that and he's like, let's do something with that. So we started putting our heads together and we picked out, you know, some of the better, some of the phrases that worked in the structure of the song and, and collaborated and came up with a chorus and, um, you know, and recorded the demo there before I left and uh, then I brought it back here and I started doing it with my little hillbilly trio called the Millbillies and uh, it became a real popular song because everybody like like yourself instantly connects with it and um, so you know I knew it was going to be on this on this uh, new record of mine and uh, it's you know I can't pick a favorite but it's it ranks right up there it's a fun tune cool. hey right, so what we're gonna do is I'm going to go ahead and play Ollie Ollie by Charlie Brath, and we will be right back. Newspaper out on a hand-me-down bike, hanging on a corner with a girl I like. Called my name in a old beech tree with a bone handle knife that my daddy gave me. Hey, we 
fish on a star Five flies buzzing in a old fruit jar Oh, you can't catch me Hey now, ollie, ollie, oxen free Hey now, ollie, ollie, oxen free Clouds in the sky, kangaroos and hippos just a floating on by. Getting cotton candy at the county fair, watch a demolition derby from the old lawn chair. Hey, wish on a star, fireflies buzzing in an old fruit jar. Oh, you can't catch me. Hey now, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. Hey now, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. Catch a bunch of fish with my old man Mama gonna cook them in a frying pan Spend my day just running in the woods It's small town living but it sure is good Hey, wish on a star Fireflies buzzing in an old fruit jar Oh, you can't catch me Hey now, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free Hey, wish on a star Fireflies buzzing in a whole fruit jar Oh, you can't catch me Hey now, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free Hey now, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free That was Ollie Ollie by Charlie Barath, who is with me tonight on Three Questions in a Song, episode number 59. Before we do this, I do want to mention a movie that is now on demand. Um, Golden Globe winner Kelsey Grammer stars in the inspiring comedy set in the 90s L.A. music scene, The Space Between. In hopes of breaking out of the record label mailroom, a young Charlie Porter is tasked with forcing the eccentric has-been rock star Mickey Adams, played by Grammer, out of his contract at his longtime record label. The pair's unlikely friendship grows as they both gain perspective from each other on the music industry, life, love, and the space between. Stream the space between instantly on Redbox On Demand today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. I don't know how many questions I've asked so far. More than three, but we're going to keep trucking along. Um, so, Charlie, the official third question comes from last episode's um, guest, who is Davey Williamson. Uh, well, uh, it turns out that Charlie is also f- mutual friends with uh, a man by the name of Tony Holiday. Um, Tony is incredible. He's known for um, his harmonica plan, but he's from Salt Lake City. And he, I remember when I first met him, he would go around and give kids and homeless 
people harmonicas and he would show them how to play a little bit. And so he was really flipping the scene in Salt Lake City and getting everywhere you turn the corner, somebody's blowing on a harmonica. So my question is uh, to Charlie is, you know, how close are you with Charlie, uh, with uh, Tony Holiday, and have you guys performed together? And if not, um, let me connect you guys because I think it would be a, a cool hookup. I'd like to see what happens moving forward for you. I love that idea. That's awesome. And it is actually what, what the podcast is based on. So it's like perfect way to, to do that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I haven't done a show with him. Uh, our paths have crossed on several occasions. Um, you know, I don't know him as well as some of, uh, some of the other cats out there, but, uh, yeah, our pat, we've been, you know, we haven't shared a stage together, but we've been, uh, we hung out before. Tony's a great guy and, uh, an amazing player, um, super strong family, man. He's got a beautiful family, uh, and a hardworking man. He's a hardworking dude. So here, here's the second part to it. He said that if, if you haven't performed with him, he would like to help you get in touch with him and make that happen. No, I'm I'm open, man. I'm open. So, yeah, I'd love to do something. Tony does a lot of uh, collaborative stuff. He's uh, he had a, a really good success with these. Uh, I forget what they call them, front porch concerts or back porch. It was like blues on the porch. I can't remember what he called it, but he he put together. He would go to different cities and get these uh, groups of amazing musicians, blues musicians, to record. Uh, on like front porch or wherever, just kind of on the street. He's done things on the street in Memphis in front of uh, Sun Studios. And um, and then he wound up making an album uh, out of these performances. And I think it did very well. Uh, and it's it's very nicely done, uh, considering it was all done, you know, like in different remote locations and, and you know, not in a studio. But man, man they came out, uh, they came out great. Um, in fact, they were, my wife and I were going down to Louisiana to visit a friend. And um, on the way down, we stopped to uh, visit another harmonica player friend of mine, uh, J.D. Taylor, who um, lives in uh, Jackson, uh, Tennessee. And uh, they were getting ready that day to do one of these front porch sessions on, uh, man, it was, it was, uh, who was it? It was a historic, it was like a shack where there was a, um, and I'm blanking on the name of the, the blues musician who, who lived there, but they moved his shack near this uh, heritage museum. Um, and uh, they were doing it on the front porch, sleepy John Estes, maybe they were doing it on the front porch of his actual place where he lived, this little one or two room place. And uh, so we were, uh, I wasn't involved in it, but my wife and I were there hanging out while they, while they did went through the process of recording, uh, these songs. It was, uh, it was fun to watch. So you, you telling me that story reminded me, you kind of do a weekly thing too with, with lives. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, so 15 months now it's been since the shutdown plus or minus. Um, I knew two things when that happened, when all the gigs went away. My last one was March 15th, 2020. Um, and I knew two things. I knew one, I needed to stay engaged with my audience somehow. And the obvious medium was the 
live streaming on social media. Uh, the other thing I knew was that everybody and his brother was going to do that. <laughs> and if I wanted to stick out and stand out at all, I had to come up with, you know, something. So, uh, you know, I, I, I waited a week and, and I sure enough, almost everybody was doing Friday and Saturday, maybe Sunday, sitting in their rumpus room with their acoustic guitar playing, you know, playing their music. Um, so I figured well, I'll do a Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. And as I mentioned off air, I have really crappy Internet service here at my house because I live in, you know, I live in a in a kind of a remote area, which means I have no neighbors and I'm surrounded by woods and it's very peaceful most of the time. Um, so I will give up cell service and good Internet for that any day. <laughs> <laughs> so the first day I was getting ready to go live, the power went out. So I jumped in my car and I drove up to this giant empty parking lot at the mall, a couple of miles up the road, and I did it from my car. Uh, the next day, I had a scheduled uh, Instagram live session with um, with Honer Music. I, I'm a Honer endorser. I'm a part of their their artist roster. And uh, same thing. It was like sketchy on the power and the internet. So back up to the mall and sat there and did it in my car. The following Wednesday, I was just getting ready to go live and the internet went out. <laughs> so <laughs> back up the road. And I thought, well, maybe this is the, the shtick that makes me just a little bit different from everyone else. And I so I rebranded it as cartoons, cartoons. See how clever I can be. <laughs> <laughs> I rebranded as cartoons and I made it a weekly thing. Uh for a while, I was even working with local restaurants and businesses as a sponsor. I would do it in front of their place or their parking lot and give them a plug. And they, in turn, would hook me up with free product, whether it was a you know brisket sandwich or a <laughs> gift certificate or whatever. Uh, I did that for a few months, and then I got away from it and just went to doing all music and conversation. And uh, it'll be at the end of this month, it'll be 15 months I've been doing that. I've only missed like five shows because of uh you know other engagements one of them was my fault <laughs> <laughs> um and um yeah i not only did i was I able to stay engaged but i was actually able to build my audience i have people tune in from the uk spain france brazil uh there's a young guy over in new zealand who watches on his lunch break because it's you know the opposite there's like they're like 16 hours ahead of us <laughs> So it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been a huge benefit for me because it, it's kept my instrument in my hand. It's forced me to learn new material. Uh, it's you know, it's a, it was an, just an opportunity for me to, you know, um, keep working on, you know, my people skills and performing. Yes, it's weird sitting in your car playing music to your phone. Thankfully, I could see the people's comments. So that that helps with the engagement. But yeah. Coming up on 15 months. What I need from you now is um, a question for Dynasty Zero, which is next episode's guest. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of let you off the hook because I'm gonna tell everybody that I dropped the ball and forgot to tell you ahead of time. So so we're working on me describing to him. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, you know, um, 
from the sound of it, they're uh, a group of young, younger, much younger folks than I. Um, and, you know, I like people. I just I don't understand, you know, the young people sometimes, you know, that's me getting old. It's not their fault. Um, so most likely it, the question that I would ask it wouldn't wouldn't be impacted by whether or not I studied up on their stuff or not. <laughs> but I would ask simply now. I, again, I come from a way different era. Those folks are probably all young enough to be, um, you know, definitely young enough to be my kids, uh, probably younger than my kids. But I know where my musical influence came from growing up in the 60s and in the 70s and the kind of, you know, I liked, I was a rock and roller back then. I, you know, I love that old heavier, the heavier, the better. It's way different now what they call hard rock than what I called hard rock, you know? Um, but That's, the question I would ask is, let me, let me stop you there for a second. When I listened to the Beatles, I'm like, this was controversial, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, you know, well, you could go back you. And I was just talking to someone the other day about this, about, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the racial segregation in music, uh, you know, not only did, you know, what they call race records, black music, it, you didn't hear it in mainstream markets. It was relegated to, you know, areas that had a high population of of African-Americans and, you know, and their radio stations only went out so far. So, uh, but when some of these early white rock and rollers, and by early, I'm talking like Buddy Holly and people like that, you know, when they were first playing that stuff on white radio, there was an uproar because people were like, we don't want to hear this noise. What is that? It's like, you know, and it wasn't even wasn't even, you know, what they would consider black music is heavily influenced by by the by the great early blues and the rockers of of those days that, you know, that inspired guys like Elvis and Buddy Holly and all those early cats. But they were really cutting edge as far as, you know, uh, the white market was concerned. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's different. You know, when you start thinking about what things were like in a different era, you can't really judge it by today's standards and, you know, nor can you judge today's stuff by like, if you were to come from the past from the fifties or sixties and come into the 21st century, you know, you know, you can't make a judgment on that because, you know, it's you're not from so that world. Different. Oh, so different. So I, different. So, yeah, the Beatles were very controversial, as were a bunch of other ones. And it seems silly now, but then that was the world. Um, but, yeah, so hard, uh, you know, heavy rock, heavy metal, whatever you want to call it. You know, to me, you know, hard rock was, you know, the, the Zeppelin and, uh, you know, you know, and I got into some like a Black Sabbath and some stuff that was even you know, heavier. I love that stuff. You know, that's, you know, I know there are younger folks who still kind of go back and listen to that, but uh, by today's standards, it's a whole different genre almost. But so my question to, uh, to your next guest would be about influence. And, you know, if I were sitting in the room with them and asked them, you know, who are your influences to, to, kind of direct you into the type of music you're creating now, um, they would probably cite bands and players that I'd never heard of because it was, it was, you know, 
like after my time, I guess would be a way to put it. But uh, that's what I would be curious about. Why, um, you know, why do you like, why do you gravitate towards this music? What puts you on that path? And how far back does that influence go? And the part B to that question is if, um, you know, what's the oldest or earliest uh, quote unquote heavy metal or hard rock that, you know, you've uh, discovered and, and, you know, consider an influence. Because that's, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole um, evolution of not just rock and roll, the music evolves. It has since, you know, I can imagine the very first time a caveman dropped a rock and it hit another <laughs> rock and he went, Ooh, makes a good sound. And he starts banging it. And then another caveman came along and he picked up a log and hit a rock and it made a different sound, you know, and the next thing you know, they're, they're doing different things. And, you know, that and music evolves like that. Like every, every music that you hear now, it's inspired by something that came along before it. You know, you, you mentioned country music being af after the mid eighties, it became more like pop music. Well, yeah, but like, even be like you go back to the older country music, you'd like the very early stuff that Nashville sound, when it became a thing, it was like night and day compared to, you know, the, the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers and, and uh, you know, Hank Williams and all those guys. And then, then when the Nashville sound came, came a thing, it was, it was, you know, it had its own kind of formula and feel and sound. And, um, you know, like, you know, we talked about Willie Nelson, Willie Nelson, you know, he didn't fit in with that crowd. That's why he went back to Texas and became the Willie Nelson that we know and love today, you know, because it just, it I'm wasn't still, still uh, mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from his uncle Jesse portrayal, <laughs> but musically, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's like, I heard the story of him, you know, he was so frustrated. He went out and laid down in the middle of the street in downtown Nashville because he was just hoping somebody would run him over because he wasn't, you know, and he didn't look like he does now. He had short hair and clean shave and he looked, he looked the part and the nice suit, but his music and his sound didn't fit the Nashville sound. So, you know, and it's just part of the evolution of it. I am. Um, you, you said the earliest, earliest musician, the, the earliest thing that I can remember hearing um, is uh, Johnny Horton. Um, the war of 1812, I think is the name of the song. Yeah. And, um, I knew you would know. It. Usually, when I bring it I, I, up, I have to sing, <laughs> and I'm a terrible singer. But people are like, what? Well, "I know the song and very I, well." <laughs> so I won't sing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that was something that my my dad used to have that album on cassette, and then he would play it in the car. Yeah. Um. So that was my really my introduction to music, and then. What brought me into rock was I have uncles, one who's five years older than me and one who's nine years older than me. So I spent some time with them when I was younger and mm -hmm. they, they would listen to, you know, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Kiss and, you know, and I was looking up to them and. <laughs> right. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't, and, and it wasn't my parents' music. So. <laughs> no, no. Oh, well, my parents, yeah, my parents, you know, they were from, uh, you know, that greatest generation, you know, they lived through the depression and World War II and all that stuff. So. You know, they were listening to the big band and, you know, Dorsey Brothers and all that stuff. 
Um, but more often than not, my old man was listening to WWVA, which for my mother, what my mother told me was when they were younger, he didn't, he didn't like that hillbilly music. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't want anything to do with it. He liked, he liked the big band stuff, the stuff that they went out and, uh, to, to dance to, to live bands when they were courting. Um, but, um, yeah, I grew up, it's like all we heard on in the car, of course, we only had AM radio. It was WWVA out of Wheeling, which was all that old classic country. I hated it at the time. I didn't want to hear that. And I wanted to hear something, you know, popular, some, you know, something the younger people liked. Uh, and then my older, one older brother had, a, you know, a good collection of records and, and, uh, you know, and I got to listen to, I got turned on to a lot of stuff just by being in the room while he was listening to, uh, you know, whatever it was, the Doobie Brothers or uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears or uh, Iron Butterfly and Cat Stevens. And Agata DeVita. Oh, yeah. And as I wore that record out, you know, and there's like and then the, some of the heavier stuff that he had, you know, the Zeppelin and the Black Sabbath and and, uh, you know, and it's like, you know, that's really what I got into. And uh, and it was you know, like, again, mid 80s. And music was going in a weird direction. In my opinion, it was getting away from what I really fell in love with as far as rock and roll. So uh, I started, you know, digging back to see what influenced some of those cats, you know, and, and got into blues and roots and Americana and, you know, and folk and, you know, and now like the old country, I, you know, I love that stuff. Where, where can the listeners um, track you down? How can they get a hold of your album and where can you keep track of where you're going to be at well, right now, my website, Charlie Brath Harmonica, is under construction, and it should be up within, hopefully, by the end of the month, maybe. Um, uh, so I've been pushing everyone towards, just to see what I'm up to, um, my Facebook music or artist page, uh, Char also Charlie Brath Harmonica. You can follow that. Uh, that's where I do the cartoons live stream from. And uh, toward the top of that page, I pinned a Google calendar so they could click on that and see where I'm playing. Um, so, and I'm just getting back into populating my calendar. I had to like retrain myself how to do that because there've been so few gigs up until recently. Um, but also have a, uh, a little hillbilly trio called the Millbillies. Uh, also have a page, but I put those gigs on my calendar as well that's a great place to do it if you want to hear the new record it's uh it's available for purchase you send me an email at charliebrath at gmail and uh you know pay venmo or paypal and i'll drop one in the mail for you if you like if you're old like me and like a tangible item in your hand if you don't and you rather have a download uh charliebrath.bandcamp.com you can listen to the new album along with some other older content and download as much or as little as you want on Bandcamp. It will, the new record will be on my um, Spotify page as long as well as all the other streaming networks, but probably not until later this summer, maybe mid July. I'm guessing at the earliest um, by the time I get it put up there. Um, and, you know, the reason I'm doing that is like, like I want to sell some, I want to sell some stuff before people listen to it for free. Um, not that I'm being miserly, but you know, I got to pay for this record at some point. Um, I, I recently learned that Bandcamp will only let you listen to a track so many times before they tell you you have to buy it. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's not a bad thing. And, you know, yeah. the, the other thing that's nice about Bandcamp, Bill, that, that and a lot of the general public doesn't realize this. So I don't I, I don't have any uh, I'm not uh, shy about talking about it. The streaming platforms typically don't give the artist a whole lot. You know, we've all heard those stories. It's six one thousandths of a cent per stream or some ridiculous amount. Um, and then when you buy, uh, say, you're a member of Spotify uh, and that allow you know, your nine ninety nine a month or whatever it is allows you to listen and download as much as you want for no extra charge. You know what the artist gets from that? So Bandcamp, on the other hand, they take like 20%. They take a 15% fee and another 5% for the handling and transaction. Uh, and the rest goes to the artist, which I think is pretty, that's pretty generous. And it's uh, actually a pretty good margin. If you ask anybody in retail, they'd love an 80% margin. Um, so know, I'm, so. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because XRP, who I mentioned earlier, um, part of their format, um, you can upload your music to their website and it then becomes, um, it gets dumped into a database that all their DJs can play from, but it also goes into a store that they have. And the only money that they keep when the money is purchased is to cover the transaction. Everything right. else, everything else goes to the artists. So any musicians that are out there listening, um, two things. First, if you're from the build the scene area where I operate, don't send them their music until I've played it on friendly fire, but then send it to them <laughs> because they have, they have a good percentage to come back to you. I just don't want them using my, I'm going to call it my music, but the music <laughs> from, from my area against me in my own show. <laughs> right. Right. What's it called? XRP. XRP, it's xrpradio.co.uk. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. I'll send you the link. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, and, and I'll, I'll wait. I, I <laughs> well, most likely, um, I'm going to have to probably fight Jonna on this because she wants to go more metal next episode, but I'm going to try and push, push you into the next episode. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll play all metal, and then we'll play Charlie at the end. <laughs> well, there's, you know, there's some, I wouldn't say it's metal or, uh, you know, but there are some uh, full blues stuff content on my, on my record, which you can listen, you know, feel free to listen on, on Bandcamp. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll still send you a, a hard copy. I'm assuming you have a CD player. Not I everybody. Do. Does. <laughs> I, I have a, two, I have a 2003 Camry. I have a six CD changer. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> Sweet. I'm waiting for the, the uproar to get loud enough to where car manufacturers start putting CD players back in their cars. They may have to put record players back into their into the cars because <laughs> people are buying vinyl. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, you know, people don't listen to music like we did. I mean, we used to we would literally a, a group of us would congregate at, at, at each other's house or apartment on a Friday night. And we'd each bring a few records, you know, like the big LPs and, uh, you know, a six pack of beer, a bottle of wine, maybe something in a little baggy. Uh, who knows? Uh, we'd sit around and we'd take turns listening to sides, you know, and it could be it, it ran it ran the gamut from, you know, it could be heavy. It could be rock. It could be blues. It could be country. It didn't matter. It was, and we'd sit around and we'd listen to music. You know, what a concept like people don't do that. Now music is almost 
it's almost always like it's on in the background, you know, while you're doing some. It's so accessible, which is good, but it's just like always, it's just always like this din in the background and, uh, you know, which is what, uh, thank you again for listening to the song I sent you, like, like an actual listen, you know, so you weren't listening like, you know, hey, this is just kind of good, a good feel to it. You're listening to the actual song and you let it take you somewhere. And that's, to me, the beauty and the magic of any art, but music primarily because I'm a musician. Um, so what we're going to, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to end the show, but I do want to tell you something afterwards. So don't go okay. anywhere. Um, okay. So this has been episode number 59 of three questions in a song featuring Charlie, Charlie Barath. You can find him on Facebook at Charlie Barath music. Charlie Brath Harmonica. Harmonica. And yeah. his website website, website yeah. will also be charliebarathharmonica.com. It should be up by the end of the month-ish. I'm hoping. Yeah, there's, a land, there's a landing page there, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with a guy in Chicago who's helping me put it together. So, all right. So make sure that you check out the next episode of Three Questions in a Song, where you'll get to hear Dynasty Zero answer Charlie's question. And uh, also check out the other shows friendly fire on this july it's going to be the third saturday but usually it's the second saturday of the month and uh pennsylvania rock show which is every friday Um, my name is bill and we will catch you next time this episode of three questions a song has ended but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more on sign music from around the globe Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.